What's going on, collective listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Samson Strength Coach Collective. Um, we have Adam Ringler on today. This episode is awesome. He's the Assistant Director of Sport Performance and Head of Sport Science at the University of Colorado. Um, this one is, is really, really great. He provides some incredible insight around building sports science departments from you know the framework from scratch and, and some of the you know methods that he uh, utilized early on in his career, some of the you know successes he had, some of the things that he looked back on and might have done a little bit differently, um, how to weigh and quantify the qualities that you find important for your athletes when creating sort of a, a, a sliding scale of, um, you know, sort of like a Madden score is the way that he described it of, uh, you know, how we've progressed obviously over time with the athletes that you're working with and how to provide an environment for young sports science professionals to be able to articulate some of this data to coaches, players, uh, and support staff. So yeah, great one. Uh, appreciate you guys hopping on. Let's get into it. What's going on, collective listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. I am your host, as always, Anthony Grasso. We appreciate you being here. I am here with Adam Ringler today, who is the Assistant Director of Sport Performance slash Head of Sports Science at the University of Colorado, uh, which I know goes off of the CU acronym, but is actually the University of Colorado. We, we hashed that out prior to getting on the, on the air today. But uh, Adam, welcome. Uh, we're really excited to have you on. And uh, just if you want, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of introducing yourself and you know, feel free to take us as far back as, as you'd like to where this whole thing started for you and what kind of drove that interest to, to where you are now and what you're doing at the University of Colorado. Yeah, well, let's Thanks for having me on, Anthony, number one. Um, I'll try to keep it short and sweet, right? So I am a sports scientist and strength conditioning coach here at University of Colorado. I uh, work out here in Boulder. Uh, and ultimately, in a roundabout way, uh, I use principles of scientific method, uh, data science, athletic development to really try to optimize athletic performance and team sport. Um, throughout sort of my, I guess my background, right. Coming into, to sport and into this role, uh, I worked at a number of different sport organizations, uh, started out at Michigan state university a long time ago. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit. I'm sure, um, worked my way through that, uh, undergrad and grad and graduate assistant, uh, positions, and then found my way out to Wichita, Kansas of all places um, and spent seven years out there at Wichita State University mm -hmm. and then had the fortunate um, opportunity to come out here to Boulder, Colorado and work within the athletic department here at uh, CU Boulder. Right. And ultimately really like I, I'm just attracted to high performance universities and organizations that, that want to do some novel things and, and try to leverage performance data and science in, in a way that supports holistic health across the student athletes experience. And, and that led me to, to Boulder, Colorado. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, like, and, and I guess to, to, to go back, like I was a, I was a rather poor uh, wrestler in my youth prep high school days. Um, but, you know, did freestyle, did Greco-Roman, uh, folk style that led me to an opportunity to walk on to the Michigan state wrestling team, uh, a long time ago. Um, I was looking at the math and it's hard to believe that in a couple of years, it's going to be two decades ago. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's there. Right. And, yeah. um, so, when that career ended, I began an internship uh, program at Michigan State and was really just fortunate to be around some incredible people that really shaped my career. Um, didn't know it at the time, like most coaches, you don't recognize the impact and the influence of other people in the field. 
when you first start off, but, you know, I was in a room where, you know, over, I, I could add up all of the years of experience, but uh, had the good fortune of working with um, Ken Manny and Mike Forkapich and Tommy Hoke and a bunch of Molly Munns. Kenny Goodrich was uh, at Michigan State. He's now back at Michigan State at that time as a GA. Uh, Red, I mean, like just that the years of, uh, of experience I was in that room really was formidable in my career. And that uh, that opportunity just led itself into another opportunity. And then, you know, I was fortunate enough to get, to earn a graduate assistantship and and really sort of dive into coaching. And that that got my feet in the door. And uh, once you get those feet in the door, you you recognize how cool of an industry, strength, conditioning, sports performance, sports science can be. And I've uh, tried my hardest to hang on to it and, and not get out. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. There are, those are some big names that you mentioned, obviously, and your ability to kind of withstand that, right, and try to make it make an impact and make a name for. I feel like that was kind of my initial like fear when I first started doing internships because I think when there's there's not a ton of context around the internship itself and how it can vary from place to place, you're like, well how do I go about providing an impact here to where people are going to remember who I am and actually, you know, kind of, you know, solidify like, okay, I did something here and now I can take this on to other places. So yeah. Do you want to, I, I kind of just, that was the first thing I was thinking of when do you want to kind of talk about that experience a little bit when it came to like how you decided to approach these things for somebody who is stepping into maybe a similar position where there are a ton of influences and it can almost be overwhelming as to how much knowledge is in the room, right? What were your thoughts when you first stepped in there? Yeah, I mean, like I was I was naive, like any young uh, strength coach or wannabe strength coach at that time. Um, I remember, you know, I my first again, I mean, two decades ago or so, like I, I shadowed Mike Workapitch training the men's basketball uh, program. And, you know, like, again, had no uh, idea of the athletes in the room and, the you know, where these guys would would go on and play. And a number of them, I mean, like Draymond Green was in the room. So it's like, you know, just you're just a fly on the wall watching these guys train. Um, and then I knew it from that moment that that's that's the industry I really wanted to get into. I remember reaching out and, uh, you know, going through the School of Kinesiology and then eventually directly straight to the Olympic Department um, and sitting uh, <laughs> sitting across the desk of the director at that time and was saying, I, I want to be I want to be you. I want to be in your chair. Like, what do I have to do? to uh to be a director of, of strength conditioning and i just remember him telling me well uh you know if i can't convince you that um you know not to do this uh show up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m and i remember being uh outside the doors it's michigan so it's cold right and it's like snow's coming down on your on your head and you're like it's subarctic freezing temperatures and being out there at 5 30 because you didn't want to be late uh right. and then uh, I mean, it's, it's that, right. So it's like, you got to earn your stripes in some ways. And this is an industry that has a lot of sacrifice to it, but you know, you go in, you make an impact, you put your name on it. Um, you, you do things right. You do things with a sense of urgency. You leave the place uh, better than when you, you found it or when you first arrived and, you know, little by little, you'll leave an impact and that impact grows over time. And, mm -hmm. and those were all, you know, incredible lessons that Ken and his staff has shared with us. I try to carry forward, uh, to my staff and my people that I work with and the student athletes, I, I, you know, humbled enough to, to, and honored enough to get to lead. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I think, um, I, I do think if I, if I'm, 
you know, understanding the listeners correctly, I'd probably be remiss if I didn't at least ask about Draymond a little bit. So I think if you, if you, do you have any, any Draymond stories or anything that you want to give us any insight on? And then if, if not, we can move on. But I think as, as a listener, I can hear them yelling at me like, are you going to not ask about Draymond? Are you going to not say yeah. anything? <laughs> I, I, you know, and, and there's such incredible people that, you know, if you find yourself an opportunity to, to be a fly on the wall and watch people work, uh, you know, and, and to be in the same room again, little, like, no, almost no interaction with Draymond with me. So it's just the, I know that's a name that people will, will recognize and know, but sure. in the same way that, that Tom Izzo is a, you know, a name that people recognize and know. Right. Um, and so I, I say that, you know, a lot of the times for any athlete that, that has the luxury of continuing to have a successful potentially hall of fame type of career in the pros, um, sure. those habits are instilled, right. They, they carry in habits to the weight room, their professionalism, their mannerisms, right? Some of that can be shaped and, and crafted by strength coach and incredible uh, coaches that might work with them at the collegiate level. Uh, but there's also, for the most part, a chip on their shoulder and a, a desire to go on to the next level. And, and they typically will carry that into the room and they'll, they'll approach their collegiate days just in the same way that you see it carried out in their professional manner as well. So, um, you know, professionals aren't, uh, amateurs by any days. They were, they were professionals before they were amateurs. They -hmm. just happen to be amateurs and, and then eventually earn their rights to, uh, to collect a paycheck on the back end of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so in, you know, during that time, obviously, was there, was there the sense that you knew at some point you would, you always wanted to be a coach, maybe like, you, you like the idea of coaching and then you're like, but I do want to kind of gravitate towards this research side where there is a lot of sort of, you know, testing and applying and seeing what works and what doesn't work theory, you know what I mean? That kind of like, is there like yeah. theory versus application? Like where, where, at what point were you kind of like, well, this is where I could kind of see myself falling, but you, you know what I mean? Where was that transition like for you? Yeah. I think, you know, recognizing that, Sports science, I think, you know, back in the early 2000s, at least within America, wasn't there wasn't a a pathway that was carved out so succinctly and so um, defined as it is now um, across both professional sport and collegiate sport. Uh, So I I think at that time, like I I approached the industry that I just wanted to be the best strength coach that I could be. Right. And and to learn and to be an expert with physiology and and, um, athlete athlete development. Um, but then, you know, and that was my sole life. That was sort of my sole focus at that time for my professional journey. Uh, again, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, like you're shaped by your environment, you're shaped by your background, your upbringing. You know, I grew up, um, both, I guess my, my early childhood was analog, right? So go outside, run, play, you know, adventure, explore, be kids in the, you know, in the eighties. Uh, but then, you know, I remember my parents, you know, like would bring, they brought home like a, an Apple Mac, right. First edition, second. So like growing up and, and having floppy disks and then, you know, hard floppies. And then eventually, uh, the internet era for me and, and that transition from analog to di- digital. And so a lot of my adolescence was growing up on a computer behind a computer terminal, connected to internet bulletin boards and and learning and downloading software, uh, both legally and who knows, <laughs> I don't know what the uh, statute of limitations are. So <laughs> I, I say that because I, I always grew up with a, a technological focus. And that was something that's been a passion of mine. Um, you know, if I 
could go back, you know, I, that's probably would have been, you know, a degree that I would have chased um, early on. Like I, I love the intersection between biology and technology. And for me, there's no better place to be than to be applied enough to be uh, uh, in the athletic development world, strength conditioning, uh, namely, but also learning and applying technologies and emerging technologies to better diagnose, better uh, understand movement uh, capacities, competencies, to better understand force production uh, or wearable technologies, force outputs. I mean, this so... I, I couldn't be happier to grow up in the era that I did to, to get the sense of, of sort of work and, and yeah. athletic and human development, but also um, emerging technology. So yeah. I made that sort of transition, I think, after Michigan State, getting to Wichita State University, you know, uh, an institution that didn't have a lot of technologies at that time. It was very, again, I mean, we were talking early 2010s at that point. Uh at, but really trying to reverse engineer what some of the best organizations were doing at that time. So, right. you know, got to build the engine and get your hands grease, greasy and dirty and, and try to do things on a lower budget to be able to get the same, uh, you know, quantifiable um, objective data that you could use to better improve your programs, better improve the athletic department, better uh, quantify your efficacy as a strength coach and an yeah. athletic performance coach. And that, that was sort of, you know, the, the beginning for me, that was the hook was firmly set. And uh, I just knew I wanted to continue to pursue organizations that they had the financial backing, that had the administrative backing to be able to acquire the technologies that we needed, that I think sport needs to be able to do our jobs and to, to do them well. Yeah, absolutely. And do you feel like there was, uh, obviously you got your master's in kinesiology from Michigan State. Now at that time, do you like knowing what you know now and obviously kind of looking back on what that program provided for you? Is there, do you think the curriculum in, in a lot of these universities kind of provides you with that information that you feel like kind of changed, not necessarily changed, but sort of drove you in the direction of like, okay, this is where I want to go with this, right? Do you feel like Michigan State kind of provided that framework for you? Or, and if they didn't, or if there were certain things that you might go back and be like, hey, if I was to design a curriculum or a program or some sort of department that sort of drove students in this direction, here's how I would go about doing it. What would be some of those changes that you might make? Sort of the, think, the hits and the misses, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, you know, like your, your, curriculum and your environment and what you offer to your students at that time or interns at that time, right? It's, it's, it, it matches where you were at that era, right? Mm. I think they did an incredible job um, from an education academic standpoint, exposing to different research methods, um, mm. you know, like positioning and trying to find internships for us. But then again, at that time, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking uh, not only at you through my camera, but also across the room. And I, you know, we have force plates that are 10 feet away from me. I have Nord boards and force frames and all of our wearable sensors. I have a, a dynamo behind me um, from VOD performance. So it's like, you know, they, they didn't have those technologies back then. Right. And things that were professional grade had a professional price tag attached to them. And don't get me wrong. These resources are expensive, but we're starting to see higher end quality um, diagnostic devices that are more at a consumer sort of price tag now. Um, so things are getting cheaper, things are getting more accessible. Um, and so, yeah, you know, like I think the, the organization, I think the institution did the best that they could. And, 
you know, that's one of the things too, like with our, um, you know, University of Colorado summer sports science uh, immersive is like, I just want to provide opportunities for young sports scientists coming into the field to gain experiences on these technologies, because that's what I wish I had when I was in that era. Like I remember growing up and I, I remember, you know, going through my graduate assistant days, but also like to be frank and to be honest with you. Um, I remember looking from the outside in our colleagues in our industry, um, you know, like very, uh, um, you know, like, I, I guess, jealous of you know, the resources that they had at their institute. I'm like, wow, you guys got Catapult. Like, I would love to work with Catapult. Wow, you guys got force platforms. I would love to have force platforms. I have a jump mat, you know, like I'm doing yeah. RPEs and you're collecting where, like all of those things. So I remember um, at Wichita State University, I was like, if I ever find myself in a position where I can give back to our profession, give back to young sports scientists, strength coaches, the young sort of up and coming Adam Ringlers of the world. Uh, I want to throw them into this. I want to give them free range to our technologies. I want them to, to understand how to use it, how to tweak it, how to get into it, how to, to work through the, the, the instrumentation. I want them to learn and have an opportunity that I didn't have. And, and that's ultimately what I'm trying to do with the staff that I'm, I'm building out here in our sports science department. Yeah, for sure. And so if we're now going into Wichita, because that kind of leads me into my next question. It's like, well, now knowing what you know, right, and looking back on what you were trying to build from the ground up, essentially from scratch at Wichita, right, you're trying to, in, you know, sort of encourage and, and inform people like, hey, some of the methods and the, th the thinking that I have and the thought process that I can bring to the way we approach performance, this could be good, like this could be something valuable, like I promise you, let me show you, let me, you know what I mean, like what, number one, like what did you do, like what was like the wording and the terminology that you would use in terms of like how you would communicate to people in order to try, because I would imagine at the time it was still fairly new and people were like, what is this, like what, do you really, like this is, what do you mean you think this could be valuable? What is all this data? Yeah. Like all that stuff, yeah. right? Like what, what, what did you, what was kind of like your approach to that? And then I'll kind of lead in with the, the follow-up question of like how we go about developing some yeah. of the things you're doing, right. With, with developing young sports scientists. Yeah. So I I'll say my approach was, was poor probably. Duh. That's you know, I look back on it and there's always things that you can do better. Um, but you know, like, and I, it's hard to describe that era, right. Because like, you have to understand the context of the room and the situation, like had an incredible boss um, at Wichita State, Kerry Rosenboom, recently retired 35 years as a strength, strength conditioning coach. Um, and so I say that as like, like that was our program. Kerry was the program, right? Um, and, and did a heck of a job, right? And, and did things right. And I just want to give credit where credit is due on that. Uh, with that though, you know, like with anybody, like I, I come in and I'm what, 23 maybe. Right. So I, I come into that room and it's, you know, like why I say poorly is because I, I probably recognize that, you know, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm like, oh man, we could do this. Uh, we need this technology. We could try to do this. And like, it, it all came probably too fast. Right. And too, too abrupt. Um, I think about, you know, and this is what just years and, and experience will provide you with a little bit of wisdom and little um, better approaches, but like maybe incremental changes, right? Incremental recommendations. But, um, you know, at that time, I was probably just full of ambition and, and wanted to really try to carve a path and, and, and do things in a, in a really sort of forward thinking way. And so, 
you know, we, we did every, I, I remember writing proposals, writing for grants, you know, approaching boosters, approaching uh, our administration, you know, and trying, you know, finding novel ways of getting technologies and getting resources that, you know, that we probably didn't have access to financially immediately. Um, you know, working and collaborating with our um, physiology department on campus. So we're building relationships with, you know, on campus academics, uh, off campus industry, right? Before uh, the likes of like name, image, and likeness, how can I get, how can I get businesses to try to help our athletic department out with resources or funding that could help us out so we mm -hmm. could better help um, provide a better resource for our student athletes. So, you know, everything from writing five to 10 year plans and um, proposals. And so that was, I think, the genesis of, uh, of it, um, you know, at least going in and, and recognizing that, you know, I'm looking at my university of X colleagues, and I'm like, wow, you got that piece of technology, how can I get that here? Who do I got to contact? And, and what grant would I potentially have to write to, to be able or a proposal that, you know, I could put in front of a donor, a booster, and be able to say, this is going to help us win championships. Sure. And that's, that's the way I approached it then. And, you know, looking back on it probably would have done things differently, but, mm. um, you know, who, any, any coach would say that about the way that they were when they were, you know, early twenties or so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can totally attest it. I'm sure that most listeners can as well, right? You're super eager and you're ready to get things going and you want to show like how much of an impact you can have. And you want to demonstrate obviously in a, in a, in a humble way, like how much knowledge that you have based off of how much time you've spent, like all those, you know, the blood, sweat and tears, those long, you know, long nights of you trying to figure out answers, right. And try to find the, you know, dig, dig into the weeds, right. It's like, well, I want to go show that to, to the people, you know, of Wichita. And so, no, I, I think that's great insight though, because I do think it's really tough to see that in the moment to see like, Hey, I might be moving a little bit too fast because especially in the world of college sports, like what's too fast, right. It's not fast. Nothing is fast enough. Right. So I think, um, you know, we get caught in that, that cyclone of like, all right, like this has to, we have to do this faster and we need to make this happen. Yeah yesterday right because there is no time so um but obviously you know you spent a significant amount of time there so if you if you could describe in in a few words like where it was when it, when you got first when you first got there like what it looked like what it felt like and then what you know what that program was like by the time you left right and if you could kind of look back and reflect on what you were able to provide right regardless of you know what you felt you know you could have done differently right what let's take a look at what was and be reflective on what was and what is and, and how that how you left that place yeah, I think, I mean, you, you don't got to look too far within our industry right now. And you're recognizing growing staffs and specializations across staffs right now. You have experts that lead the re rehabilitation process. You have sports scientists. You have reconditioning coaches. Um, you know, at that time, when I first arrived, it was it was Carrie and I. Um, that's it. You know, you got two strength coaches and you have men's basketball, men's baseball, softball, volleyball, you know, a whole slew of uh different sport programs. And, you know, I think at that time it was, we're going to be really experts at, at strength and conditioning. That's it. You get them strong, right. Get them powerful, get them in shape and in condition. And that's, that's, that's our job is done. Right. Um, you know, looking back on it and, you know, from the, the beginning days to the end across that seven year tenure or so, uh, just, you know, incredibly proud that, you know, we started to approach and looking at things like mental health, um, working with, um, you know, an academic on campus uh, psychologist at that point in time, building out resources for our student athletes at that time to sort of have an outside voice and outside sounding board. 
um, things as far as, you know, uh, sort of a out service uh, nutrition and bettering the nutritional qualities and aspects of what we could offer from a training table standpoint. Uh, things like just holistic healthcare, right? So again, testing, whether it's, you know, physical testing, um, performance testing, if it's, you know, just benchmarking student athletes, but also communicating that back to the student athletes and giving them sort of periodic updates about their own performance and how they're advancing. So it, for me, it was the beginning sort of days of really trying to create a, a high performance model that looked at, you know, the technical, tactical aspects of, of sport, i.e. what the sort of sport coaches were leading and, and designing and helping them and, and advising them with, you know, practice workloads and ways that we could quantify what that looks like from a skill acquisition standpoint, the mm -hmm. physical piece, but building out recovery strategies, nutritional strategies, mental health strategies, and, and having this holistic sort of approach that centered around the student athlete. I think in early 2000s or so, 2010s, like that was still a pretty novel approach. And I think, you know, now you go across any professional sport organization or, or high level university and, and that athlete centered approach is, is that's the norm. But when you start off like that, you look pretty crazy and you look pretty, um, um, you know, tip of the spear of things, but I, you know, that's, that's what, you know, a lot of European, you know, sport organizations were doing at the time. And that high performance model athlete centered model was, was emerging here across the United States. And, and for a young sort of ambitious strength coach, that was, that was my world. And that's like, you know, come um, at, at the end of the day, that was really what I wanted to try to build within the collegiate model. And, you know, we tried our hardest to do that. Yeah, that's awesome because that's such a like I, I can feel the the passion that you feel felt towards obviously trying to drive that home and get that message across. And I would imagine like I, you know, I'm I'm 31, so I was doing it not trying to like push that, you know, sort of um, you know, philosophy, you know, whatever in the past like five or six years. And obviously it was much, you know, I wouldn't say it was it was easy. There's always gonna be roadblocks and be speed bumps and challenges you come across, but I can imagine what it was like when you were trying to do that, um, you know, at that time. So and it honestly, it sounds like, you know, I know you're super, super modest, but it sounds like you made a massive impact at that place, right? Like for given where it was when it first started off and then obviously where it is now. Um, it seems like you were in a in a really good place and you guys made a huge impact and actually made some some major changes. Um, it's funny, I, I do have a lot of questions just kind of like popping into my head as I'm listening to you talk. I'm like, man, that must, like I, I would love to hear how that. That went and how that conversation went right but um for I, I think I think you bring up an interesting point about mental health and, and you know not to go back too far but if you could kind of provide a little bit of insight on you know I'm thinking to myself well there might be someone listening who's thinking well I would love to try to dive into that a little bit more with our athletes I think it's something that we probably need to have a little more conversation around anyway um what were some of the things that you guys were doing and how would you kind of advise someone who's looking to uh provide more outreach for mental health for their athletes and and you know some of the steps that they might be able to go through when it mean when it comes to getting you know, support staff and administration involved to to be able to have that kind of impact with their student athletes? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, there's low hanging fruit, right? In that, you know, it doesn't take, you know, the most advanced AMS system to be able to, uh, to be able to ask questions, right? And to be available for student athletes to have a conversation, right? To share, to be vulnerable if they need to. Um, there's some vulnerability that you as a practitioner need to be able to express as well. And that's, that goes into building buy-in, building trust. Um, I'm not a psychologist. I don't play one on the internet or online or anything. Uh, 
But, you know, just as simple as checking in on people, just as simple as um, providing at that time wellness questionnaires that student athletes could fill out. I remember, you know, like at that time, AMS systems were just emerging across four organizations. And, you know, I, I don't have, uh, you know, several thousand dollars to be able to, to purchase an AMS or to sign a, a you know, a purchase order or a contract agreement for that. But I do have a Google Doc and I do have Tableau and I do have different uh, ways of distributing those wellness questionnaires. So it could be as simple as asking, like, are there any stressors in your life? Um, and then following up on that. And if, if athletes were to ever answer yes on that, um, we owe it to them to be able to follow up. Hey, I saw that you responded this way on your questionnaire this morning. Is there anything I can do to help? Like a lot of it's not, I don't need to be the person with the solutions. Most of the time I don't have the solutions, right? I'm a, uh, I, I'm a problem solver. So I'm just trying to channel people to the right professionals that I know that can solve those problems. Um, so that's, that's, that's a high performance manager, right? And in, in collegiate sport at that time, that's the person that probably interacted the most with the student athlete, which happened to fall on the strength coach. Um, so at that time, it was recognizing that, oh, hey, like, I am stressed. Okay, cool. What, what, you know, like, I, I'm fortunate to hear that. Like, what's, what's, if you don't mind me asking, like, what, what's stressing you? Well, I have this big term paper that I'm working on. And, you know, we got these 7am weight room sessions. Oh, well, hey, that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm going to adjust to you. I know that stressors, um, whether it's academic stressors, physical stressors, emotional stressors, social stressors, I know those can, you know, uh, have an impact on our injury probabilities. How about you focus on your term paper, and then we just reschedule you to come in later that afternoon. So there's there's some level of flexibility, adaptability that we need from our constraints, our logistics, our facilities, our scheduling to be able to provide that, right? Other times, it's it might be relationships with their sport coaches or um, with their significant others, it could be, you know, uh, there's a whole host and there's no shortage of um, stressors on student athletes in these days. So it's just being cognizant enough um, to respond and to, to ask the question and, and to be brave enough to ask the questions and try to, you know, channel people in the right direction to get help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. And I think that, you know, it's, it, you said, you mentioned the low hanging fruit, and I think it is tough, because I think a lot of times we think that we need to have these, these, these massive impacts, whether it be like creating some major, you know, blueprints around how we can handle these things. But um, like you mentioned, I, I thought, I thought Google Docs or Google Forms, or whatever it was for like wellness and readiness assessments and things like that, having more conversations with your athletes, um, you know, and obviously building that trust in general would probably lead to some greater returns as well, just because you would, you know, obtain more information, they would feel more comfortable comfortable talking to you about those things. Um, I think it's, I think it's different, you know, probably sport to sport, right? Like I think football, I'm, I'm just thinking now, like the, you know, the ability to be flexible within your schedule and to be able to say, Hey, like, it's okay. Like you can't make this, you know, seven thirty lift or whatever. Let's, uh, you know, focus on what you need to focus on. Right. And then you can come in a little bit later. Um, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, man, that, that probably would have been a little tough to push across in, in, in the world of college football. That I was working. But I think it's, it's important, you know, and I think it's important that, you know, a lot of these college athletes feel like they have some autonomy and ownership over, you know, what they are doing, right? Like I've talked to a lot of former division one athletes who I used to work with and I, you know, after they're all done, I say, Hey, like, what did you think of that experience? Right. And they're like, well, it's, it's great. It's like, but you know, it's just imagine like you're literally told everything that you're like allowed to do and when you're allowed to do it. And although it, you know, there needs to be some structure, obviously we need to provide some of that guidance as professionals to these young, cause these are kids coming in, right? They're 17, 18 yeah. years old. Um, yeah. 
you know, but it, it is, they're like, well, yeah, I'm told like when I can lift, how I can lift, how much I can lift, you know what I mean? Like how I need to train, what times I can train, when I can be in the facility, when to eat, like all these things. And, and I, I think it's, it's great, but it, it almost is like at some point, you know what I mean? Like when are we really allowing them autonomy to be able to speak the truth and, and kind of be transparent to us about how they feel about their experience, right? And you know, it's probably its own separate podcast, or whatever, but I do, I do appreciate you touching in on that and obviously yeah. giving us some insight. Um, but kind of moving on to my, my next question was kind of built around, you talked about different ways that you were trying to quantify uh, some of the technical and tactical work that was being done, as well as the physical and the psychological. Um, how how do you feel like you've been able to kind of come across that, whether it was at Wichita, or whether it was, you know, starting at Colorado, like when did you start to feel like you really kind of you know, maybe, maybe broke through and like, Hey, here are different ways and easy ways, maybe kind of continuing with the theme of low hanging fruit of ways that we can really quantify what's happening and how this can translate to some of the athletic performance that we're seeing within our athletes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's difficult. Right. And that's, it's audacious as a, as a goal for any sort of organization. I think at Colorado, um, just looking back at some of the work that we did very early on 2017 ish, um, uh, you know, like we, we really wanted to dive into better understanding what made a successful Colorado Buffalo here. Right. So we ended up trying to create like any video game era child and, and, you know, teenager and eventually young adult, like, you know, NBA 2k, uh, we got the Madden scores, right. We wanted to create a CU buff score as well and be able to say that if we have an athlete that comes in to Boulder, Colorado, and we can go through a series of performance screening, right? Um, and we can leverage the sport coach information based on what they know from their recruitment of said student athlete. Can we create a model or a framework that says this athlete CU buff score is a 75, right? Mm -hmm. Or a 65. Their Madden score is a 90, right? And that's that can inform a number of different things. It can inform, okay, we know that we have this athlete and they're coming in at 90. We have demonstrated year over year over year that from let's say freshman to sophomore year that we can add 10 points, 10 Madden points, 10 CU buff points to an athlete's development, right? We can start to begin to forecast where that student athlete could be. We can say, okay, well, we recruited this student athlete class in, there on average is a 70, we can get them to an 80 and that's pretty accessible. Uh, um, that's pretty attainable, right? That's, that's That would be success for us. Um, this allows us to maybe quantify our recruitment and, and to be able to better identify that talent um, from in the early acquisition um, phases of those student athletes and say, whoa, 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 what's what's going on here? We went from an average recruitment class of an 85 to uh, this this class is a 60. Um, we can then start to project out and say, we might need to, um, to reallocate some of those CARA hours, accountable athletic related activity hours to be more in the weight room or to be more in speed development or be more in force production. Or it might just be, Hey, you know what? You brought in a, a heck of a recruitment class. Our average is a 70. You bring in an 85 this year. Um, we can spend a little bit less time in the uh, in the weight room and spend more time on the court and start getting into our plays and getting into the technical technical and tactical models that you need because you did a great job on the recruitment. Um, sure. So it helps us help the athletes. It helps us help the administration um, from a you know a recruiting budget standpoint of what they might need to go out and find the best, identify the best talent, recruit them to Boulder, Colorado. 
Um, but then it, it helps our sport programs as well. And I think like anybody, like they just want to know that there's a plan. If I was a student athlete in this era, growing up with the accessibility to real-time data that we have now, nowadays at, you know, high-speed internet at our fingertips, um, I would want to be able to know how am I doing at any time, right? Mm. I want accessible information for me. And that is what we're trying to, to, to build out and have continued to make sort of my life mission of uh, creating that real-time information stream to the stakeholders that really need it. Those decision makers that are making decisions um, about the student athlete's health, about their practice, about what they need to do to get better. Um, and, and ultimately uh, directly to the student athletes so that they can say, hey, I came in, I know my lower body strength score is a 60 and I'm gonna work like um, like a, like as, as I'll get out to get that thing to a 75 because I know that's the team average. Um, yeah. Now that allows a lot of flexibility across our strength staff to say, hey, how you might want to quantify or what, what methods that one might want to do, back squat, front squat, uh, goblet squats, if it's an isometric mid-thigh pull on a force play platform, that's, that's at the coach's discretion. However, we need to find ways of quantifying that year over year and create some level of uh, longitudinal analysis that goes into their Madden score or into our CU buff score. And that's, yeah. that's one way that we've really tried to build and quantify out the student athletes experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. That is awesome stuff. I'm, re I'm really glad that, uh, that you're able to share that. And without getting too deep into detail, I don't want to ask anything that you might not be able to release any information on. But as far like if you, you know, from like an outsider's perspective, if we're just speaking purely hypothetical, right, and you don't have to, you know, give us any information specifically, like what's going on, um, you know, within the walls there. But if I was somebody who wanted to try to create this, this Madden score, right? What, how, how would I, I mean, I guess I kind of know the answer to this question, but like, I want to hear you kind of take us through like your thought process when it comes to like what you decided was valuable for like, like, is there a, is there a CU buff score for each individual quality or is it one that's kind of grouped together and just certain qualities are weighted a little bit more than the other, or are they all weighted in individually and, and the qualities that you think would be important for someone to just even consider if they were trying to start something like this from scratch. Yeah, I think it's, you know, you got to lean on your domain experts, right? So for us, as we're creating this, like our, our, our strength staff would know how to assess strength and power, speed, uh, you know, speed development, um, reactive agilities, whatever it may be. Um, so we, we leaned on them as far as the modalities in which they wanted to conduct some of these field tests, right? Um, now, we also then have to lean on our um, sports psychology department here at, at CU Boulder is saying like, how do we assess resiliency and grit and, and sort of mental fortitude across our student athletes from a psychological domain? How do we assess what we're doing from a sports nutrition aspects, right? Is it bod pods? Is it calibers? Is it DEXA and some of the technologies and resources that they may have to better understand uh, the sort of distribution of uh, fat mass or lean muscle mass and bone density. Uh, but also then like, you know, at the end of the day, like going sitting down with your technical coaches and saying, what makes a great point guard? What makes a great power forward? What makes the best you know, libero or middle blocker or pitcher, you know, like, and really teasing into it and getting into the nuance of, you know, like what qualities they are. And then that's where I sort of put my sports scientist cap on and say, okay, well, if that's important to sports success, how do we measure that? 
right? How can we, in a reliable way, in a valid way, how can we year over year repetitively measure those things that you you say are important? And if if they are important, then let's let's measure them. And then very Peter Drucker, like what gets measured gets managed. So then we can manage those qualities. And then sure. year over year or semester over semester, in some instances with the technologies that we're fortunate enough to have here at Boulder, we'll communicate that to our major stakeholders um, on a weekly basis of this is how these ranges of motion, motions are changing, or this is our force output, or this is our wearable um, workloads or player loads or accumulated acceleration loads, whatever it might be. Um, we have reporting structures that that allow us to report that a up chain if we need to, but also directly to the student athletes so they can feel confident that there's a plan moving forward um, for any sort of physical progression that they're 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 getting or regression, um, and so that we can make changes and adapt and pivot on on the fly to get them where they need to go. Yeah, that that's awesome. That's an incredible uh, explanation of that. And I really appreciate that insight. I think the listeners will as well. I think that was probably the best way that you could have put it. And to touch on that last piece, how just, you know, just curious, but how often do you get athletes who are extremely curious and, and interested and engaged in um, that? Because I would imagine you get some athletes who are like, hey, man, I'm here to play. I'm going to get my sport, you know, I'm going to play sports and I'm going to do what I got to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. take care of business. I'm, I'm having fun. This is great. And just whatever you say, coach, like I'm going to do, but then how many, you know, do you get, do you get some athletes who are like, hey, I'd love this kind of come by and check out what you guys got going on and what you're measuring and what you're trying to score. And like, you know, what do you get that often? I think it's, yeah, I, we get it more often now, right? Yeah. And I think the ex, the accessibility to people's data um, has continued to, to grow, which is a good yeah. thing, right? Like data ownership and who owns it and who sees it um, and sort of, of having those permission-based systems and constructs. Um, but, you know, like, I say our our youth, right? Our young men and women that we're we get to lead. I mean, they are intuitive, they are smart, they are savvy, right? But they're also young professionals that that know that you know this is there to help them. They want to better understand it. They want to kind of dig into it. Uh, we have computer science degrees and and student athletes that are in engineering programs, and so it's like these guys and 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 gals live these things. So. It's been fascinating. It's been fun to have those conversations with student athletes because even beginning, you know, when we're talking about TRIMP or heart rate response or wearable technologies or and ways to to quantify training load um, in the early 2000s, like it, that that wasn't, you know, we had a, a few a handful that were like, okay, tell me a little bit more about what this means and how it works, but. But I, I I came here to to play baseball. I came here to play basketball or football, right? <laughs> Nowadays, uh, I I very much see our student athletes buying into the data aspects of it, better understanding how it supports their health, better understanding how it supports potentially their name, image, and likeness NOI, how it supports their professional journey post collegiate career, um, knowing that they're going to potentially go into organizations that that this is common day. This is what they will do. They, you know, and so it's better to learn these things during their collegiate days than get exposed to it all suddenly fast uh, when you become a pro athlete and you have to navigate these things. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. And I'm glad that you actually are able to experience that too. I'm sure it makes you extremely excited when you get someone that comes by yeah. and is actually really interested in this stuff. Right. Because I think it, you know, it, it, it you know, I'm sure regardless of the level, there's going to be guys and girls who are a little more curious, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, like you said, the, the male and female athletes you get, obviously it seems like you guys have a great crew there. So I'm, I'm sure you're enjoying it and enjoying working with them. So um, last two questions and, and I'll let you go. I know you got stuff to do the sports science sort of internship curriculum that you've kind of put together right you're saying you're trying to develop some young sports scientists give them some insight uh, kind of provide some guidance to them uh, at Colorado um, do you want to mention that just a little bit kind of talk about that and some of the, your experience and what you're trying to do there yeah I mean you know COVID was a, a weird um, thing and it's it still continues to be a weird and sort of tragic and both you know changing dynamic of of how we operated within collegiate and, and just sport organizations. So, you know, we took a, a small pause with our, most of our internships, both strength conditioning and sports science. And, uh, but, you know, coming back to it, I was really excited to offer this back again. And we had two incredible candidates join us this summertime. And, and really what this internship's about is just an opportunity to uh, have emerging young sports scientists, techn technologically savvy strength coaches and, and physical prep coaches come out to Boulder, Colorado and assist within our program. But much like, you know, any internship program of, of early days, right? Like it's not about just cleaning equipment and maintaining things. Like we want to immerse these per young professionals into the roles, the responsibilities, the pressures, the demands of, of what it's like to operate within this sort of narrow, uh, sort of niche field. So, you know, a lot of our interns will get opportunities to work with not only technologies that are really hard to become uh, uh, accessible to if you're just trying to interface with force platforms on your own, right? Like there's, they're cost prohibitive in that nature, right? So um, if I wanted to, to learn about team sport wearable uh, monitoring, like how do how do I do that as a as a professional, just me alone? So, you know, like we give a lot of these individuals opportunities to do that, to better understand data pipelines, to understand data analysis. Um, so we build this immersive experience where there's data projects that they have to work on, whether it's in you know Python, Jupyter notebooks, and R. Um, taking small ownership of potentially like, okay, you're in charge of all of our Nordboard assessments for, for our summer or force frame, or I need you to do counter movement jumps with our teams. And then I need you to report that to me or report that to our director of health and performance. Um, mm -hmm. And eventually this is going to go to our athletic director, Rick George. So it's a, an opportunity to go through collection, interpretation, analysis, communication, visualization, and then that ultimate stakeholder report so that they they understand how these things work. And then they feel the pressures of sitting down with a head coach or a sports supervisor or an athletic director and, and making a claim to, hey, we need to purchase another Nord board because of, uh, uh, because of this, right? Because we're trying to increase the, the frequency of our testing and, and proposal writing or, or anything. So we're excited to bring it back. And, uh, and, you know, to see it grow and, you know, there's future opportunities for us to, to hire part-time for this role or to, to eventually build that out to a full-time, more full-time positions, which only helps the industry grow, helps future professionals and, and much to, to the earlier portion of this podcast, you know, like 
was was fortunate to be in a position with with Ken Manny, you know, really instilling in us back in those Michigan State Spartan days of like leave the room better than how you found it. Uh, much like the All Blacks or Legacy, like you know, you you want to leave the jersey in a better place, and mm-hmm. and for me as a professional, I want to leave this industry in a better place and provide opportunities I didn't have, and you know, we're going to continue to grow this initiative out here in Boulder, and there's no better place. This is my final pitch. There's no better place to work and play and live than uh, beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible experience. In all seriousness, I think that that's the type of experience that anybody who wants to push the field forward would aspire to, right? You're, you're trying to get people in a room where it's like, hey, we know you're smart. We know you can obtain all this knowledge. We believe in you. Uh, you're going to work hard. That's great. And now let's kind of figure out a way to kind of take that lab sense to you know, a little bit more of the field sense where you're being applicable in terms of how you apply information, how you relate and relay information, how you communicate something as simple or as complex as trying to get some more equipment. Right. And I think that is, that is, that is awesome. I really appreciate that. And I'm I'm glad to hear that people are are doing this. So um, I I, I think, you know, like Steve Jobs said, like, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and then tell them what to do. So like, I look at that, the cohort that we bring in and we aspire to continue to bring in it's, it's, it's peers. It's, you know, they might have less experience, but these are incredibly intelligent, passionate, and, and, you know, hardworking individuals that come in and, uh, and it's not my job to really tell them what to do. It's me to foster an environment where they're successful and they can succeed and they can leverage the tools. And, you know, a lot of times I learn so much from them as much as they learn from us. And, uh, and that's, that's the way that we can sort of pollinate sort of this, this, you know, in, intellectual field and, and scientific discovery um, between, you know, individuals from different parts of the country and different um, regions. And it's, 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 it's really, really fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I guess my, my last question off of that would be for all of the people who are listening and who are interested in some of the things and a lot of the things that you're mentioning here, what are some of the resources that you might be able to, I mean, it could be people, podcasts, books, anything that you feel has really shaped the way that you think about this holistic approach that you mentioned, obviously some of the sports science concepts and, and blueprints that you put together um, and, and some of the internships are like where, you know, this framework, obviously it's not just all derived from books. And obviously a lot of it comes from the people that you're working on. Like you said, the environment that you were provided with, and now you're trying to provide a similar, if not better environment for those coming up. But um, yeah, what are, what are some of the things that you think you might be able to help out, you know, our listeners increase their knowledge base when it comes to some of these things? Yeah, I think, I mean, so there's, there's, uh, there's no shortage of resource, uh, resources these days, right? Like I remember wanting to read about physiology, um, or any topic, right. You'd have to go to the public library and that's just not, that's not the world we live in, right. We have to be adaptable to it. Right. So there's no shortage of great resources to find out what you're, you know, what you're, what you're searching, um, from a podcast standpoint, I think like Pacey performance podcast is incredible. Rob mm-hmm. Pacey brings on, um, really great guests there. Uh, physical preparation podcast with Mike Robertson, yeah, um, yeah. was, was another really good podcast. Um, you know, like I, for me, like small aside, like I think the first T1 internet connection I had when I was a freshman in the dorms at Michigan state university, um, it was my first time having high speed internet and, uh, I, I just ripped through, I, I, I told Mike that I, I owe him lunch, dinner, um, it, you know, as many beers as he possibly might want, uh, because I remember somehow getting my hands on building an efficient athlete, 
And I think that was one of his first products that he had out. And I don't think I bought it. And I told him yeah. this, I felt guilty about it, but <laughs> him and Eric Cressy. And I just like, just tore through it, took so many notes on it. Um, and then to, you know, present at the same conference he was presenting at was super cool. Uh, one track mind is another one. I think, um, uh, Sam does a great job on that podcast. There's plenty of books out there. Like for me, there's training books, right. And which is awesome, but trying to leverage in areas of where you want to go as a professional. Um, so like Daniel Kahneman, he has published a great book about noise, about just the messiness of, mm. of data and, and uncertainty around, um, how noisy of an environment. And I, I think of our performance world, it's super noisy, um, with, the way that we collect data, the way we interpret data, and just the variability between it. The Artist Statistics is a great book. David Spiegelhalter ended up writing that as, as you know, like kinesiology exercise science degree, right? So I, you yeah. know, statistics wasn't my strong suit back in undergrad. I actually uh, tried to avoid that as much as I could. <laughs> and now I live in that world. And yeah. so it's always a, a, a seminal text to have a refresher um, I just, I, I find myself gravitating to a lot of like statistics and data science type resources. Um, so, you know, like if you're not, again, like I, I didn't grow up necessarily coding in R, but like now I primarily code in Python. Um, mm. if, if you're interested in coding and learning different program languages, you know, there's data camp, there's uh, code Academy, there's, there's ways that you could invest your dollar into learning uh, um, code camps and boot camps into learning how to leverage some of these statistical platforms and open source softwares uh, to, to get better analysis off of it. And now, now that's, you know, 75% of my sort of sports science job is really trying to apply the data to better assess the data, collect the data. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some resources, but there's conferences, there's, you know, there's, 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 you know, the, the, the number one thing that's delivered me value isn't reading a book. It isn't my commute. It isn't podcasts. It is, it, it goes back to my analog days. It's picking up the telephone and calling someone, asking, being vulnerable and being like, I don't know this, help me out with this. Right. right. And now, now we live in a, in an era where we have zoom and I can, we can tandem code uh, together and you can work through and, and take control of my mouse and, and, and add code to my screen. Um, that's the best way that we can do it in person, mm -hmm. over the phone, over Zoom, and then the digital sort of long form media that you could get with podcasts and audiobooks. Those are the ways I think I, I, I try to learn the most. Yeah, that's awesome. I, this is this is awesome. I'm so glad that, that you hopped on here and did this. I really appreciate it, Adam. Um, I think we'll we'll wrap up there. But if there's anything else that you want to provide as far as information, any other any like la like final words and say last words, but any final uh, pieces word. of advice, <laughs> pieces of advice for uh, the listeners. And uh, yeah, then we'll uh, we'll wrap up from there. No, I, I mean, I'll say I'll end it with this is that um, if you're ever traveling through Denver, right, or Boulder or any surrounding mountain towns, do not hesitate to reach out to me, reach out to our director of strength conditioning, Stephen Englehart, um, reach out to any of us here at University of Colorado. Um, you know, I, I remember that being somewhat intimidating earlier in my career when I first started out as a coach. Now it's, it's any place that I vacation, I love to see if there's performance coaches there and 
pick up the phone and, and do a drop in and just see the layout of their facility or pick their brain for, for a moment, you know, buy them a coffee, walk in or whatever. Um, we'd, we'd love to have you out here because again, like we, we learned from you as much as uh, that you pot potentially may learn from us. You might learn how to do things differently or, or how not to do things. But um, I, I just, uh, yeah, if you're traveling through Boulder, please pick up the phone, give us a call. We'd love to, to have you in our facility and, and uh, to go from there. Yeah. And it, so, yeah, and that was the other question I should have asked. Do you have Instagram, social media, any place people can, you know, find you, contact you that you'd be okay with? Yeah, I, I do. I, uh, I'm, I'm on a social media detox right now. So I just read Cal New, Newport's book on um, digital minimalism. So I've oh. been challenging myself actually of, uh, you know, preventing doom scrolling through TikTok and Instagram and Twitter uh, I still have them though. Right. And I still plan on strategically using them. Sure. Um, just trying to just tighten the reins a little bit. Uh, yeah. Twitter and Instagram. I'm at, uh, at Adam Ringler, first name, last name, same with uh, Facebook page, you know, LinkedIn, angel list, all those websites. Um, mm -hmm. But the easiest way, yeah, it's probably Twitter DMS uh, or, you know, like, again, I pick up the phone, give me a call. Like, you could probably find my phone number online or my social security number, everything else. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, just, you know, feel free. Don't ever hesitate to reach out and I'd love to have a conversation and you'll probably find me quickly uh, trying to move the conversation from online to offline and then just trying to pick up a phone and we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk and hash things out. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Adam. We really appreciate having you on and uh, yeah, for the listeners, we'll catch you guys next time. Have a good one, Adam. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Take care.